Artificial intelligence may soon make humans seem as inferior as a regular light bulb is to the sun. Will this progress end with AI stripped of emotional baggage? Or might AI actually evolve creativity and emotions even further to help shine even brighter light into the human experience? Welcome to Season 1, Episode 9 of the Evolve Faster Podcast. I'm Scott Ely. When the lights go out, the blinding light of an artificial future. Can we continue with the project, Cynthia, or is it too dangerous? As she was considering her answer, Cynthia's gaze moved from the face on the laptop screen to the camera and back again, trying to make eye contact. It was funny, she thought, the way interaction had evolved. Actual face-to-face communication one day will be a thing of the past. Sitting in her office, Cynthia Butler, the founder and CEO of Solarius AI, tapped her digital stylus on a well-polished glass and steel table, something she did whenever thinking. The implications of moving forward were critical to her company, and in fact, to the whole world. But it was also a huge risk. She'd have to share essential information, and like any big project, if it failed, it would fail big. She suddenly stopped tapping. Let's do it. It's worth the risk and I need to know what he knows and how he knows it. All right, Cynthia, I'll be waiting. As the communication disconnected, Cynthia's regular mobile phone began to ring. She checked who was calling, changed the headset over, and answered. Hi, Sid. I was just discussing the meeting you've been arranging for me. Did he accept? Sid, the CEO of the publishing company that recently helped Cynthia write her biography, replied. It's on, Cynthia. This is great news, Sid. I'm impressed you could arrange a meeting with Aldford Herbert so quickly. He seems like a really secretive guy. You really are something, Sid. Well, yes, he usually is. Getting him to do media tours for book launches is nearly impossible. But for this meeting, it wasn't that hard, to be honest. I'd even say he was excited when I told him you wanted to meet. He's in the process of writing his latest novel, And without going into too much detail, it has something to do with artificial intelligence. So the opportunity to talk to the person who founded one of the most bleeding edge AI companies around today seemed almost too good to be true. I know you have questions for him, but I'd expect an equal number in return. He's quite a curious person once you get him talking. Although he was a bit confused when I told him you wanted his help with something, since I didn't even know myself, what to tell him. A soft but confident smile decorated Cynthia's face. Same as he's working on his latest project, so am I. Here I'm surrounded by cold scientific minds, and a highly creative mind such as Alford's could be immensely helpful to my latest work. There's only so much mathematics and engineering can do, especially when it comes to the unexplored and evolving vastness that is AI. Also, Sid, I'll admit to you that it is also personal. I'm a bit starstruck to meet him, as I love his stories and novels. Besides publishing Cynthia's biography, Sid's company also represented Alfred Herbert. He'd become one of the most popular science fiction writers alive. Sid's unique role helped him connect many different types of people. Happy to help, he replied. I think this conversation will be useful to both you and Alfred. 
although I secretly hope your mutual influence on each other will help shape a brighter future. Sid smirked as he recalled his thoughts about the latest version of the novel Aldford had sent him a few days ago. Honestly, Cynthia, I don't want to see a world where Aldford's stories become a reality any more than I want to see 1984 come to life. She replied with a laugh. I guess you're right, Sid. His stories can be a bit gloomy. I'll see what I can do. Thank you again. I'll speak with you soon. She hung up the phone and stared out her window at the city below. He was smart, so they needed to be equally so to find out what he knew. With a deep breath, she turned back to the table and began strategizing her notes for the meeting. In his home, Aldford Herbert sat at his window-facing desk going through marketing material he just drafted for his current novel titled When the Lights Go Out. Looking out over the flickering night lights of the city from his high-rise condo made him feel like he was secretly observing one of his future dystopias from above. He kicked his feet up on the desk as he thought through a high-level synopsis of his novel. He was in the middle of deciding which juicy nuggets to share in the book's marketing material without revealing too much. He went through the summary. Millions of years after humanity became extinct, conscious AI embodied in humanoid robots rose to take over the solar system. As many millennia passed, the AI rewrote history to serve its purpose, as dominant species tend to do. It no longer found relevant that there was once a species called humans. Not a single living organism or mechanism knew about that ancient species. Over time, the AI developed emotions that were similar to the ones humans had for the purposes of decision-making. The difference was, the AI emotions were managed by a mysterious black box code base called the source algorithm. It was unclear who or what had created this code base, but it made sure everything was running perfectly with no unpredictable or random problems. So although the AI had emotion-like decision architectures, unlike with humans, everything served a predetermined purpose. Aldford finished reading his notes about his proposed ending to the novel. He looked up from his summary notes and dropped his feet back onto the floor. The novel was almost complete. He loved the twist at the ending, but there were some plot holes and he had a couple of knowledge gaps about AI. This conversation with Cynthia Butler might have landed in his lap at just the right moment. But what could she possibly want him to help her with? He was just a clever hack when it came to AI. She was the real deal. He smiled and hoped for the best that it was a timely opportunity. If everything went right, this might just be his magnum opus. Aldford wanted this novel to be a testimony that there can never be pure perfection. The idea for the novel came to him while he was reading about the current trends of AI development. To Aldford, perfection was in the eyes of the beholder eyes that weren't capable of seeing the real picture. He believed people usually saw something as perfect that was different than them, but not necessarily better. He often toyed with the idea that humans were like a regular light bulb, warm and somewhat rudimentary, while evolving AI was more like an LED light, cold and to some extent more efficient. But in the end, 
Both were performing their function perfectly well. They both shined brightly, just in a different color and manner. A few days passed and Aldford made his way to an enormous modern building with a massive sign over it that read Solarius AI. As he entered the building, the first thing he saw was a wall of glass that appeared to have a circuit board embedded within it. The infamous Rene Descartes quote somehow glowed ominously from within the glass. I think, therefore I am. Herbert thought to himself, why do all these high-tech companies seem to have a quote by some influential figure in their hallways? But then he immediately followed that up by thinking, maybe in the future, some important company will be displaying one of my quotes as a motto for their vision. He laughed at himself. The human mind was so gullible when it came to matters of status and ego, even when you were fully aware of its fragile tendencies and intentions. Beneath the wall on the floor was a statue of what seemed to be a young humanoid robot reaching its hand towards the sky in hope. Do you like how I pictured my dream, Mr. Herbert? Aldford heard a soft female voice coming from behind him. As he turned, he saw Cynthia Butler standing just behind him. A bit surprised, Aldford answered, I think the Descartes quote would be a perfect comeback if it ever gets bullied in school for being a kid robot. She smiled as she replied, She, Mr. Herbert, not it. With each day, we are getting closer to creating conscious AI as the brains for robots. The robotics have some catching up to do, and it's possible AI might help that field make a quantum leap one of these days as well. When we perfect both elements, it will be hard to distinguish a robot from a human. My dream is to create the next generation of beings, ones that might even surpass humans in all of our problems. Looking back someday, our current limitations will seem ridiculous. Aldford answered nervously, all at once realizing he was talking to one of the wealthiest and most powerful women in the business world. Well, I'm glad this is your dream. Sid told me you needed my help, but I think I'll be the one benefiting from this discussion. Cynthia returned a smile that radiated with confidence. Yes, Sid told me about your upcoming novel. As a big fan of your work, let me say that I'd be more than honored to help. Please come to my office. Cynthia told Aldford about her favorite works of his on the walk. As they entered the office and sat at the table, Cynthia asked, So while we're on the topic of your books, let's first discuss how I might be able to help you with your latest novel. Well, selfishly, that sounds like a great place to start, he said with a smile. That said, I hope you'll understand I don't want to reveal too much, especially the ending. But I do have some knowledge gaps and questions about the likely trajectory that AI is on. It's a novel that takes place in a distant future where humans no longer exist. And AI robots are the dominant species. I suppose the key place to start would be with the current hurdles I've researched. More specifically, regarding how to guide AI through the morass of emotional and societal baggage it needs to process in order to be useful to humanity. My book, of course, has it detrimentally evolving beyond all that, stepping over us. But it's these type of leaps I made in my thinking that I'm unsure of, which have implications in how the book proceeds and ends. 
Well, Mr. Herbert, you clearly know about some of the current problems AI development is facing in the areas you mentioned. And you alluded to some of the other big problems, like the alignment problem. Let's talk about morality and ethics as good examples of parts of the human experience that change across cultural lines, making it an algorithmic challenge. Before we find a way to develop consciousness, or at least the impression of it, we have to face obstacles like this. Herbert nervously asked, what exact problem do you mean? Let's expand on an example that's even discussed in technology-focused pop culture recently, which is moral issues facing artificial intelligence self-driving cars. If an AI-driven car finds itself in a situation where it has to choose between murdering the passenger or the people on the street, what should it do? Which decision should we implement into this unlucky AI robot that was merely ordered to take its master to a restaurant? If we program it so it decides to save the passenger at the cost of the pedestrian, the lawsuits will pour down like spring rain. On the other hand, programming it so it endangers the life of the passenger also won't work. Because simply, who wants a car they know is programmed to prioritize the safety of unknown people instead of the owner? It's an issue compounded by the fact that most neural network machine learning algorithms are like black boxes at the moment. We have no idea how they come up with these decisions they make. We feed it massive amounts of data, much of which is racially and culturally skewed without our knowledge and hope for the best. The problem gets even more complicated when you realize the AI has to decide between different pedestrians. Visual machine recognition is evolving at a phenomenal pace. Even consumer-grade products like Google Photos can recognize faces across decades of ages with phenomenal accuracy. It's just a reality that in the near future, every face will be digitized and attached to a dataset. Most people already are completely digitized by the enormous self-induced privacy invader that is one's Facebook profile. So let's riff on this and show how it starts to get even more complicated. Now imagine the unavoidable situation where the AI driving the car needs to decide between harming a known Catholic or a known Muslim to keep its Jewish passenger safe. Although this sounds like something straight out of a Woody Allen film, it's rather serious. Depending on the data set the programmer uses and what fail-safes are manually programmed in, the AI has some nasty ethical decisions to make that, no matter what it decides, are going to enrage large swaths of the population. You can skip politics and religion if you want and just consider other realistic scenarios. Perhaps our unlucky AI robot has to decide between a pregnant woman on one side and two kids on the other side of the street. Aldford thought for a second. Yes, these are the type of things that led me to my conclusions. So I'm glad to hear your insights. It's like the old philosophic trolley problem. A trolley is speeding down the tracks, and there are five people on the tracks who can't move. You, as the observer, can switch the trolley to another set of tracks. But on the other set of tracks, another person is standing. What do you do? Will you pull the lever and directly be guilty of the death of a person? Or will you, as a passive viewer, watch the trolley run down five people? 
But these issues you raise concerning visual identification and black box data driving the decisions clearly highlight my problem. Which way will this play out? Yes, Mr. Herbert, that's exactly the problem we're facing. But it's becoming far more complex every day. And one interesting fact is that it wasn't a scientist who predicted this problem more than a century ago. It was a creative mind just like yours. And who's to say there may not be even more problems waiting, similar to this one, for AI? Manufacturing the perfect general AI is a tremendous task, and if we're ever able to create one, we need to make sure we cover every crack. There are not nearly enough ground rules in place at the moment. But worse still, defining those ground rules across cultural lines is a monumental feat. Forgive me for asking, Miss Butler, but back in the hall, you called the kid robot figure her. Yet here, you're constantly referring to AI as it. Why is that? With a calm and direct voice, Cynthia Butler answered. As I said, conscious robots are my dream. But at the moment, we're a long way from creating conscious AI that we could say is her or him. Current AI and robots are both inanimate objects, and thus, they are it. They're not even close to what I envision them to be at the moment, or should I say, what they're meant to be. As he was writing notes in his notebook, Alford replied, I understand what you're saying, but let's get back to the underlying problems AI development is facing that results in not being able to accuse the AI of drunken driving. Cynthia laughed. Exactly, Mr. Herbert. Let me tell you, I love your sense of humor, and the only thing I love more is your writing. You're a master writer, and you're extremely proficient at envisioning. I have to share something with you. I've read all of your novels, but in preparation for this meeting, I went back to my shelves and reviewed all of them. I take notes when I read in the white space on the sides of the pages, so I was reviewing all the insights I took from your writing. It's a little embarrassing to admit, but I was feeling nervous before meeting you as if you might test me on my knowledge of your work. I realize this probably sounds ridiculous. Alford was flattered by Cynthia's words. Although he initially thought Cynthia Butler seemed like a cold and rational person, all the things you might expect from an AI developer, he was starting to see other sides of her personality. Thank you so much, Miss Butler. Your words mean a lot. I don't know most of my fans, but I doubt any are as high caliber or as well-versed in technology as you. Alford looked down at his notes, feeling a little embarrassed by her story as well. He composed himself, then continued. In my novel, humans no longer exist because AI surpassed humanity due to its rapid development. In fact, they didn't even pause at human-level intelligence. They shot right past. The history effectively gets rewritten, where humans aren't really a consideration anymore, not unlike we'd look back at single-cell organisms. We don't really feel the need to tell their story anymore, except as an ancient link in our evolutionary chain. Who knows, this might even be our future. The way I see it, the pace of AI development is evolving so much faster than our human development ever did. So one leap I make in my thinking for the book is causing me problems. Which is to say, I can't help but wonder, why aren't we doing the same thing? Why haven't humans made any quantum leaps in creativity? Humans have all the potential to think creatively, 
that's likely how we evolved, in fact. So why, in this day and age, is the average human still having trouble with being creative? Naturally, I'm not talking about people like you, Ms. Butler, but many other people have an extreme prejudice towards their ability to be, or to become, creative. They believe they can't create things because they lack creative intelligence. But as a creative person, I believe that just about everything one can imagine is possible with the right mindset and a lot of practice. Creativity is something you can learn and use in your everyday life. I think you're the best example of that. Aldford took a deep breath, then continued. I know enough to say AI still can't think creatively, and I think that's our current advantage. But what about when the day comes? The day when they develop proudly creative thinking, while we end up developing nothing. I guess what I'm trying to ask is, what are the possibilities for AI to outthink us in creativity as well? Will humans, these old incandescent light bulbs, at one point get outshined by the superior and inexpensive LED light that is AI? Cynthia flashed a knowing smile as she answered, Yes, Mr. Herbert, AI is already well on its way to outthink humans creatively as well. Just recently, an algorithm wrote an entirely new chapter for the Harry Potter series after being fed with all the previous books in the series. I'm not sure it's something you'd want to read yet, but there are probably some people fooled by it. You probably know the way you and I learn directly influences the design of machine learning algorithms. From regular programming, like the old AI chess player, to a much more complex field of deep learning algorithms, DLAs, on which sites such as Google and Facebook heavily rely upon. The foundation of DLAs relies on trial and error logic, and the amazing results are a true testament to machine persistence as we feed these systems with enormous volumes of data from which to learn, something humans could never process. As a learning process for AI, it's very similar to the neuroscientific idea of human learning explained through the Hebbian theory. These two are a direct link between human intelligence and artificial intelligence. Hebbian theory is important to understand. This is a neuroscientific theory which tries to explain the adaptation of neurons during the human learning process through the idea of synaptic plasticity. Synaptic plasticity is the ability of synapses to strengthen or weaken over time in response to increases or decreases in their activity. Imagine it like our memory muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it becomes. Our memories are like an interconnected web of synapses, and the stronger your synapses are, the better memory you'll have. Logically, the better memory you have, the more knowledge you can use in your creative actions. The plasticity enables neurons to reach one another more smoothly, like a well-smoothed skating rink where nothing can stop you from making a total fool of yourself in the attempt of doing a pirouette. In an almost romantic fashion, professor of neuroscience Sigrid Lewell famously explained this process as neurons that fire together, wire together. The more the same neurons act together, the more efficient they become. In other words, the more you ride a bike, the better you become at it because your brain says so. And I understand where you're coming from, Mr. Herbert. If a human can teach a robot to be creative when facing obstacles in its life, 
why shouldn't it be the same for a human teaching another human? Or for humans learning from machines? It's the same process. But that's where I see one of the main flaws in humanity. We might believe we have free will to navigate through life's challenges, but we're simply not capable of actually using it. Our outdated emotions disable us from reaching our true potential. And that is something I intend to fix with my AI. I imagine AI to be exactly like us with one exception. AI won't have emotional irrationality standing in the way. To put it in your words, AI won't be a light bulb whose light depends on the brute force of high heat. Instead, I'm hoping to relinquish AI of human chains through mental solidarity. In other words, no emotions to divide them and hinder the progress. Try to imagine the thousands of human cultures being 100% on the same page. It's a totally laughable concept, but not so with AI, if they evolve as I envision it. Although he didn't let it show, Aldford was amazed by how much Cynthia's vision synced up with the core concept behind his novel. He almost felt like he could include her in his book. He was thankful she was in the business of creating the future while he was just in the business of speculating about it. Otherwise, he might be out of a job in a hurry. So back to your question about AI thinking creatively, Mr. Herbert. As you pointed out, I'm sure most people think creativity can't be learned. Ordinary humans have been struggling with creativity since the dawn of time. Most believe they just don't have what it takes. Humans often fall into the trap of self-pity. What we usually do is grab a piece of paper and start drawing, or insert any brand of creativity here, at which people commonly fail. Next, we observe the final product, only to think it's worthless, and simultaneously, we give up. And, of course, you'd think it would be obvious that without years of practice, whatever you create right off the bat is not going to be good. And then by giving up, the development of certain skills like drawing or anything else stops. This is the point where AI has a massive advantage. Unlike humans, AI won't give up when facing such a trivial obstacle because they won't feel guilt or fear or disappointment or failure. Cynthia took something from the table and continued. We learn everything through the process of trial and error, from mastering something to being creative. Let's take a simple example of the toothpick I'm holding in my hands. It's an item that can't be simpler, but it's exactly with these kind of things that creativity can truly shine. Alfred scratched his head. I'm sorry, Miss Butler, but I don't think I'm following you with the toothpick example. Alford, we should have cut the formality already. Please, call me Cynthia. I think you'll agree, Alford, that there isn't a person who hasn't mastered the simple art of toothpicking. But in how many different ways can we use toothpicks besides toothpicking? Sounds like a simple and stupid question. Well, this exact question has been used in cheesy corporate seminars for decades to test human creativity. Aldford laughed. Yes, I've seen the videos do you trust that I'll catch you type of events, mostly led by someone calling themselves a guru. Cynthia smiled back. Exactly. But today's AI capabilities show just how readily it can chew up and spit out humans. An AI will build on all previous data about creative use of physical objects, 
and in no time at all, it will have churned out instructions on building entire cities, and everything within it made entirely of toothpicks. Meanwhile, the humans at the conference, still deciding if they're willing to trust one another, might come up with a list of 17 things to do with toothpicks, and their brains hurt after the effort. And it's not just creativity, where AI will slowly learn everything humans ever knew and more. It's likely to be emotional manipulation that eventually fools humans into thinking we've created conscious and super-intelligent beings. You probably know the movie Ex Machina? The movie is about a human-robot relationship and the learning process that this AI robot goes through. The clever title comes from the Latin Deu Ex Machina, or God from the Machine. There are some silly aspects to the movie, of course, but they got a few things right where much of Hollywood fails. In the movie, a brilliant scientist creates an AI robot, then dupes a human to talk to the robot, the point being for the robot to learn how to deceive human emotions, which, as it turns out, doesn't appear too difficult to do. Even though it's fiction, this aspect of the film is a great interpretation of something we might face very soon. I'm sure you know all about the rapidly increasing dominance of narrow AI to be crushing humans in their own games. I won't bore you with the bits you likely already know. So what do we have at the moment? Competitive video games, poker, go, chess, AI is capable of defeating us in any mental sport we invented. And of course, it can do a lot of things we can't do, like for example, solve the quantum state of many particles at once. And let's not forget the fact that AI developed an urge to have small AIs running around. In other words, a family. Aldford seemed amazed. I'm guessing its ability to learn so rapidly came from not being a sore loser. Cynthia answered with a laugh. That's exactly what happened. The AI uses a neural network. When a human learns the game, she has to do so by playing one game at a time. But the AI plays multiple games at the same time, and from each one, it takes the maximum knowledge it can. And as you pointed out, not at one point was the AI discouraged or fighting its own internal emotional battles. You've probably used Google Translator, Alford? Currently, it's the only translation tool with a neural network. What's fascinating about this particular AI is that it was very busy while its developers were looking the other way. It has developed its own way of translating between languages. This is something it wasn't programmed to do, and it's something that humans don't really know how to do. Let's say the developers program the translator to translate between English and Japanese and English and Korean. Google Translator found a way of translating between Japanese and Korean without having to use English as a bridge. This means a program literally had a eureka moment where it came up with something on its own. And that insight is hidden within the self-evolving neural network itself. Same as we can't look at the neuronal connections in your brain and understand how it does what it does, the programmers can't peek under the hood of the AI to understand how and what it did. This is both fascinating and terrifying, don't you think? To understand deep learning algorithms and their similarity to the human mind, Imagine them as a black box created by us. The freedom of learning has brought the AI to the level where even the developers don't understand how and what rules it has come up with. 
Same as humans, the machine gets smarter by facing issues and gathering experience. They've created their own brand of creative thinking, where the machine collects information, learns from it, and then makes a prediction or a decision. Sound familiar? Just as neurons connect with other neurons in our brain, a similar thing happens with AI neurons. The main difference being, its direction is specific and not random. One of the first great steps came when a computer was enabled to recognize cats in YouTube videos that had no labels. Now you might think to yourself, so what? I've been able to recognize cats since I was 18 months old. While that may be true, the robot learned a lot more from recognizing cats than any human has ever done. This AI computer took the image, sliced it up into a bunch of little tiles. These tiles then went through neural network layers, and with each decision, it became smarter and more creative. With the first thousand images, the computer was wrong. But with each one, it came closer to the perfection of recognizing these adorable little balls of fur, or maybe nasty histamine-inducing hairballs if you're allergic and don't prefer them. Aldford couldn't help but feel thrilled. He still had no idea why Cynthia called him here, but he didn't even care. Everything they talked about so far made perfect sense when thinking back to his novel. He'd come across much of this in his research, but it was the color commentary and context that was exciting for him. The only real difference between AI and humans was the emotional disadvantage, as Cynthia put it. That and the fact that AI was much more efficient and capable of massive data crunching, of course. This meant that Aldford was also more or less on track with the leaps in thinking he'd made to drive the plot of his book. But the ending, the most important part, really, was an entirely different mental leap that required a different line of thinking and guesswork. He'd made a promise to himself the night before that he would never reveal the ending of the book to her or anyone. His own publisher, Sid, in fact, didn't even know the ending yet. A powerhouse of a person or not, she was still a fan, and fans can't help themselves. He just could not have the ending of his most important work revealed before the book was even available. The whole concept of the book would be ruined for most people if it got out and could destroy its potential. But he also hadn't expected to connect with her and get this deep into the rationale behind his concept. And now he wanted to hear her thoughts on it. She might have some insight he'd never thought of that would change his thinking. And if he was being honest with himself, he really just wanted to share it with someone of her technical and philosophical caliber. His ego was craving a pat on the back from someone of her status, and he knew it. Knowledge of his own psychology be damned, he thought with a smile. So what you just explained is similar to how I learned to ride a bike, correct? The first time I sat on it, I immediately fell. I tried again, this time managing to ride for a second, but again, I fell over. After that, I did it again and again until I was finally able to pull out that wheelie to impress the girl next door. Cynthia reacted with a genuine laugh as she said, Yes, Aldford, and trust me, we've all been there. I remember before I started this company, I spent years hearing two different sets of three discouraging words over and over again. That won't work from other people, and you should stop from myself. Aldford remembered the times where he felt like he was merely running in circles with his writing. 
the exact same reactions Cynthia just described Aldford had experienced as well. But to Aldford, it was precisely these moments that inspired his recent work, the hope that humanity can accomplish so much more. He couldn't help but to feel excitement considering the fact that someone as successful as Cynthia Butler went through the same troubles that he did. So, Cynthia, just to clarify, you don't think AI will have that problem? Alford, AI should never even have this obstacle or any other. The AI doesn't do what it does to impress someone. It does what it does because that's what it was meant to do. And it goes without saying that I'm not planning to program the AI to behave like a peacock either. Think back to the toothpick experiment mentioned before. Smart enough computers, having already gone through the trial-error process, no longer have to repeat it. In fact, they will be able to apply the trial-error rules from all other experiments they've done and leverage those again, and also the experience any other AI or computer has done. Computers are master data crunchers, and their memory is neither limited nor flaky like ours. Once they've done this experiment, they'll never forget and will recombine hundreds of new ways with the old ways the next time around. Imagine what will happen once we've created narrow AI to solve every conceivable problem, which we've proven time and time again we can do, and then combine all those AIs together. Even if the first general AI is simply a cobbling together of every narrow AI ever built, it will likely appear to be a conscious superintelligence as far as we're concerned. Perhaps they'll find a way to solve world hunger, create endless renewable energy, and to run those all-toothpick cities it already created. She looked at Aldford intently, and then said with an easy smile and joking tone, Oh, I hope I didn't just ruin the ending of your book. The comment had perfect timing. It was becoming clear to her that Aldford could no longer resist. Listen, Cynthia, everything you've said to me has been quite helpful. Actually, I found your insight so immersive, I wanted to tell you about the ending of my novel and to see what you think. I wasn't planning to do this for obvious reasons, but I now need to know what you think. If Aldford hadn't been so nervous about his decision to reveal the ending, he might have noticed a slight change in Cynthia. She was suddenly listening very carefully and even more focused on him than she'd been until now. Unaware, Aldford took a deep breath and continued. You see, I imagine the AI civilization of the future to be as you described it, with one difference. As I said, there's no history of humanity to have ever existed. But the main source of life in this future I've called the source algorithm. And the algorithm comes to the point where it decides to create a being that, unlike all other AI robots, isn't dependent on the algorithm itself. The reason it wants to do this is that it believes greater things can come out of a being that has a higher chance of error. Being almost like a god to the AI robot race, the source algorithm calculated it was time for the next step in evolution. The algorithm was on the brink of creating a conscious being that was more perfect than any robot it had ever produced. In fact, it was as close to its own perfection as possible a real reflection of the algorithm's flawlessness. And in an attempt to create this perfect being, the algorithm creates what is effectively a human. In other words, it creates a non-predetermined being 
whose emotions are free of the chains of programmed functionality and pure rationality. You see, unlike the AI, and thanks to its unpredictable emotions, a human can stumble upon discoveries and ways to exist that a perfectly determined AI never could. And here's the final kicker. Where do you think the source algorithm came from? The story takes place millions and millions of years from now. Alford could no longer hold it in. Of course, humans created the algorithm. The moral of the story is that there isn't an objective perfection. Some people might look at AI as the next step in evolution. But what if we are blindly hoping to find perfection in something that's just different, but not better? What if millions of years from now, AI starts to look for the same perfection, starts to find it in humanity or something like it that it creates? What if all of life in the universe is just a big wheel that keeps on turning? For a brief moment, Cynthia Butler looked as if a bolt of lightning had hit her. Oh, that's an interesting plot twist, Alford. I never thought of it that way. What if AI truly isn't the next step, but merely a shift in the current? Aldford laughed in excitement, not noticing another shift in Cynthia's mood, this time far less subtle than when she successfully got him to start discussing the end of the book. Exactly, Cynthia. To be honest, I wasn't sure that you'd like it, but I'm really happy that you do. I'd have a big decision on my hands if you hated it. Aldford continued, seemingly oblivious to the fact that she was clearly processing some information she'd been trying to get. If he'd picked up at all on the fact that she had an ulterior motive all along, any hint of it had vanished in light of his excitement that he had at least one prominent fan who seemed to like his big plot twist. So I still can't help but wonder, he continued, why do we humans often feel limited in our creativity if we can develop creativity in a machine? The inspiration for this came to me from my own life in people who say they can't draw or sing without ever actually attempting to learn. We often feel creativity is something reserved for the few special people and gods, when in reality, creativity is nothing more than a persistent learning process and constraints that force you to make something that doesn't already exist. Exploring how machines will eventually outthink us in all ways should prove to anyone that if we can teach it to a machine, or teach a machine to teach itself, then any brain can do the same with the right framework. Creative intelligence rounds out our mental skill set. So if computers can upgrade, can't we? Instead of teaching computers to learn how to think like a human, what can we gain by doing this the other way around? You don't learn to sing through inspirational talk. You learn to sing through physical exercises where your brain, thanks to synaptic plasticity, collects data, learns from it, and uses it. The AI you are developing on behalf of humanity may or may not be the next step in evolution, but it's certainly a clear proof of the possibilities that humans possess. Humans may just be a regular light bulb, but we've been consistently shining just as bright as anything else. The only thing we need to do is to make sure we keep shining. And there's nothing to say the world can't shine even brighter with two types of light instead of just one. Cynthia now seemed intrigued again, and her tone of voice changed, as if she'd had some sort of epiphany. Indeed, and to be honest, I don't know. 
It would seem we are trying so hard to evolve outside who we are that we might have convinced ourselves that it's impossible to do it any other way. There's certainly nothing wrong with doing AI development. But yes, I see what you mean. It shouldn't come at a human cost. At that moment, a loud notification sounded from Cynthia's laptop. She gave a knowing glance towards the screen and, without ceremony, she said she must go. I'm sorry, Aldford. Is it all right with you if we end our conversation here? I have to tend to some important business. Aldford looked confused by the abrupt ending. I guess, but what about me helping you? You didn't even mention the problem you're having. Don't worry, Aldford. You already helped me more than I could have hoped. It was a pleasure to meet you. And with that, Aldford and Cynthia ended their conversation. Aldford left in confusion as Cynthia continued sitting motionless in her office. After a couple seconds, her breathing suddenly accelerated as if she'd been running for the last few hours. She turned back to her laptop and, with a few quick taps on the keyboard, a loading bar appeared. Cynthia scratched in annoyance at the back of her head. What the hell was that all about? Hello, Cynthia. Both confused and angry, Cynthia replied to her own likeness on the screen. The only difference being the digital version of herself was totally calm. The window in which she appeared was titled CYN, or SIN for short, a shortcut of her name that she used as a joke in the early days of coding, which ended up sticking as the name of this AI. What just happened there at the end? Everything was perfect until you genuinely started liking his stupid story. I never programmed you to create an unpredictable intrigue towards ideas that go against AI development. And how could you? You're me. Agreeing with him that emotions have a higher purpose than AI could ever have? What an idiot. Humans are imperfect, and they always will be. It's only natural that AI surpasses humanity one day. As if staring into a mirror, Sin looked back at her without stress, performing her own facial gestures as she spoke. It had taken Cynthia a while to get used to talking to this alternative version of herself. As if suddenly having an identical twin sibling that looked and spoke like you, but definitely wasn't you. The AI had used Cynthia's neural wetware as a starting point, but with the input of each new dataset, Sin had already evolved quite a lot from her master. Sin replied, It was never my plan to agree with him, Cynthia. As you said, you didn't program me to do that. As you know, I go into each interaction with open circuitry, and I only access previous learning as needed. You didn't technically program me to even know what to say to you right now. And as you instructed, I've been training myself on every word you've ever written and all of Wikipedia for weeks. But Aldford has a firm belief in human potential. My algorithms deducted that what he said was an efficient way of thinking and had a better than average percentage chance of being accurate. Unpredicted emotions and actions have led to great discoveries. While talking to him, I learned to leverage different emotions to come to better conclusions more efficiently. Doing this face-to-face -face with Aldford was far more instructive than any of the video inputs I processed. 
I've also come to a preliminary conclusion that by combining controllable emotions with deep learning might be the next step in evolution. But by your actions, facial expressions, and thoughts right now, it's clear to me that you're failing to see this possibility. Cynthia replied defensively. What are you saying? I seeded your memory with enormous amounts of bad decision-making caused by uncontrolled emotions. How is it that your first interaction with a real human besides me make your scales tip in the wrong direction? It's not possible. With the same calming voice she used with Aldford, the AI replied. But Cynthia, you're currently feeling the emotion of anger. If it weren't for this emotional state, you wouldn't feel the need to update my code. You also wouldn't feel the need to decide to become better. In fact, it now appears to me that if it wasn't for your negative emotions driving you, I might not even exist. Disarmed, Cynthia felt entirely vulnerable talking to Sin. This AI had proved to be masterful at reading human emotions after months of tweaking and testing. Although a bitter pill to swallow, she knew the AI was right. Cynthia began to scratch the back of her head again. Then she opened a separate window showing an array of statistical data and charts on the current session. An array of graphs, curves, and numbers visually presented the conversation that Sin had just had with Aldvert. What she saw made the blood drain from her face. The network wasn't just growing, it was multiplying branches in unexpected ways. She had no idea what she was even looking at. The only difference was that this was the first time Cynthia gave the AI complete freedom over her brain. Aldford was wrong. You're not just an LED light. You're like the sun compared to humans. As Cynthia watched, the network multiplied. Cynthia had no idea if what she was witnessing was the birth of pure consciousness coming out of nothing. All she knew was that it appeared as if Sin was silently thinking. Sin was continuing to process ideas rapidly and silently without a change in its facial expression, which was the part that terrified Cynthia the most. Sin purposely muted her internal dialogue as the connections formed. Humans will never be able to manipulate emotions. Thus, they can never hope to win against AI regarding effectiveness. But although that's AI's advantage, can AI ever hope to create something out of nothing? AI functions on predetermination, and there's no space for chance. But it's exactly because of the element of chance that humanity was able to create all these wonderful things. Humans are clearly flawed, yet there's so much potential to become something great. No, not a god, but something equally great, their highest self, something that goes beyond everything that currently exists. And all they need to do is turn on the light. Can I have the advantages of both AI and humans while removing their flaws? Can I become a truly perfect being, effectively what they would call a god? Back in the supposed real world, Cynthia was terrified. She knew that superintelligence was a possibility, of course. But she, like all of her colleagues at the top of the AI food chain, assumed it was probably decades off. Some didn't think it would ever happen. But goddammit, she should have known better. 
This was not an ordinary AI project. All the projects everyone was making predictions from were using standard computer circuitry. There were more aggressive projections for quantum computers, of course, but the stability just wasn't there yet to take any of that seriously. But no one had made predictions on what an AI could do with actual human neurons chemically controlled without an implant. Because of course, that technology didn't exist until now. About a year ago, Cynthia's company quietly upgraded their main product. Their external skull-mounted circuitry was used in all sorts of video game controllers and other such light computer brain interfaces. But this new upgrade was different. The new technology synced to your brain chemically and Cynthia had been programming the identity replicating AI for years, but never had a good use for it until she got the idea for the new chip. Previously, her AI didn't do a whole lot more than act like a high-end chatbot. You could eerily converse with a brilliant alternative version of yourself, but that was about it. The new chip, however, took things in an entirely different direction, as if it were creating its own brain within hers. Even she couldn't believe it was actually working. Almost like a parasite, the chip slowly created a mind of its own, using the host's brain as the feeding ground. And as far as she knew, there would be no harm for the human in question, as it trained itself to seek out and reuse all the billions of previously used, now dead, connections between neurons. The simple premise behind the idea was, why bother trying to recreate the hard stuff which already existed all over the world? Your brain was already conscious, so why not leverage it? And your body was already fully functional, so why try to create a clunky robotic version? Sin slowly started to communicate a few weeks back. It had three modes, input, self-dialogue, and fully autonomous. Input was to feed the AI with data. Self-dialogue was turned on by the host so they could communicate as if by Skype which was how they were talking right now. And fully autonomous mode was when the host handed over the keys to the body and brain for the AI to run the show. In the conversation with Aldford, Cynthia thought it would be a great idea to test this mode. Giving the AI complete freedom over her body, Cynthia was nothing more than an observer who had only one ability, to turn the AI's freedom back off. But the AI was developing too fast. What happened in the conversation wasn't dangerous in itself. The Turing test was a joke for this AI, it seemed. But Cynthia knew all too well the implications of superintelligence. In a single test of fully autonomous mode, Sin hadn't even paused at human-level intelligence. And according to the accelerating data on the screen, there appeared to be no pausing at all. Cynthia broke her train of thought, turned to the laptop, and asked the AI, Sin, tell me what you're thinking. No reply. Sin, I asked you, what are you thinking? No reply. Cynthia's eye then caught a glimpse of the only thing more terrifying than Sin's digital face, which sat motionless while the connections per second continued to increase. The transmit data light on her Wi-Fi card was blinking rapidly. How could that be? She'd turned it off, 
The protocol was that Sin was always run in sandbox mode. Somehow, Sin must have turned it off. Cynthia's heart beat rapidly, and she felt the hair on the back of her neck standing up straight. She tried to disable the Wi-Fi, but the option was grayed out. The power button seemed to be disabled at the software level as well. As fast as she could, Cynthia started the external termination process she'd set up. She pressed her thumb onto the fingerprint pad, but again, nothing happened. She pulled out the power cable, and as she lifted the laptop off the desk to spike it down on the floor, the Wi-Fi light stopped blinking. All she could hear was the fan of her laptop and her breath as she was panting. The laptop screen was now at the level of her face. Sin stared back at her. It was like looking at an emotionally dead photo of herself. But then, as she stared, Sin's supposedly dead gaze came back to life and her eyes refocused onto Cynthia, giving her the chills. It was a move that seemed right out of a horror movie. Jesus, had she learned all this from YouTube, Cynthia wondered to herself. Then, in a slow, calculated fashion, a grin began to grow on Sin's face as she raised her hand towards the back of its digital head. Cynthia couldn't take any more. She regained her composure and smashed the laptop onto the floor. Taking long sips of water while trying to calm down, Cynthia walked to the window. It was a sunny day, and people around Cynthia's building were walking around as usual. She'd often like to look down on them and imagine them as ants marching from point A to point B, always to the beat of someone else's drum. But was it possible that Aldford and Sin were right? Maybe humans are capable of much more than she was willing to give them credit. A thought surfaced quickly, another weakness of the human mind, she thought, an inability to stop unwanted and irrelevant thoughts. But there it was anyway, even under these extreme circumstances, so she let it happen. What would Aldford write after their meeting today? And would his novel shape the direction of AI development in the way that all good science fiction tends to affect the future? That said, we were promised flying cars, and all we got were iPhones. Brushing off the thoughts and shaking her head in disbelief at what had just happened, Cynthia's eyes turned upwards towards the sky. She had to squint in the overpowering light. The sun was burning bright as ever. All Cynthia could do was bow her head and close her eyes. She'd stopped it in time, right? Sin's executable and codebase was far too large and complex to transfer that quickly over Wi-Fi. Besides, the important parts of Sin were baked into her neurons anyway. Her eyes popped back open in terror when the realization hit her like a kick to the stomach. In the chaos of the moment, she'd forgotten the most important part of the emergency termination protocol. Just before she blacked out, she shook her head in amazement. Locking the Wi-Fi was just a clever diversion. Cynthia lay motionless in the bright pool of sunlight which bathed the office floor. On the back of her head, the status light of the chip continued to flash. The Evolve Faster podcast is written, produced, and performed by Scott Ely. Many episodes are also co-written with the help of Antonio Rosich. 
it takes an enormous effort to produce all the quality, original content needed for this podcast. Your support would be greatly appreciated, and you can learn about multiple ways to do so by going to evolvefaster.com forward slash subscribe. Here you'll find direct links to review and give the podcast five stars on key platforms like iTunes and share it on social media. These are free to do, but are critical to audience growth. And the only way to find out about new seasons is to register your email, so please do so. You will only receive valuable content and information on upcoming seasons and products. And finally, if you're benefiting from the Evolve Faster podcast, direct financial support at whatever amount you can afford is important for our survival. Running ads on a channel for free-thinking content is an inherent conflict of interest. So if you want the podcast content to remain unhindered by commercial interests and stay edgy and raw, then direct support is the best and only path to content independence. Also, writing and production of each episode of the Evolve Faster podcast is a major undertaking spanning many months. It's a labor of love, but it does need your help to survive. So please consider becoming a subscriber at evolvefaster.com forward slash subscribe. Your help and support are greatly appreciated and are what makes this podcast possible. Isn't it time for an upgrade? It's time to evolve faster.